Well, the Nashville Predators lose again to the Colorado Avalanche, this time in overtime. But the story of the game, let's face it, was Connor Ingram. We will talk about his performance and whether we think he might be enough for the Predators to still maybe have a chance in this series. Uh, But there was a lot of stuff that still went wrong for the Predators. We'll talk about some of that, including a few stars who have absolutely disappeared this playoff series plus a check of other scores from around the nhl last night this is locked on predators podcast your locked on predators your daily podcast on the nashville predators part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Thank you for making Locked On Predators your first listen of the day. I'm Nick Morgan. I'm a writer and editor on thefourcheck.com, and I have a partner in crime. You do. I am Ann Kimmel. I'm a writer at onthefourcheck.com. So we actually have uh, a bit of breaking news, Anne, uh, that just came okay. in. Um, Juventus, everybody knows the big, the big European soccer club in Italy. Uh, they have just signed Nathan McKinnon to a big contract. <laughs> Uh, they apparently watched uh, his ability to fall down at the lightest bit of contact. And we're like, you know what? This is the epitome of what Italian soccer is all about. We need somebody who apparently is like the strongest player on the Colorado Avalanche, the absolute peak physicality, uh, but for some reason can't stay on his skates when a light breeze comes his way. Mm-hmm. Now, all joking aside, all joking aside, I do want to congratulate Nathan McKinnon on graduating summa cum laude from the Jim Carrey School of Overacting. It was well-earned degree, and I love seeing you put your talent and your skills and all you've learned there to great use on the ice. I Look, Nathan, in, in all seriousness, man, um, we know that you have cut out all sweets from the Colorado Avalanche locker room. But we we saw last night uh, how low blood sugar can really affect somebody. I mean, you just couldn't you couldn't stay on your feet, man. Like you got to have a candy bar or something. Keep that energy up or else it's going to you're just going to keep passing out on the ice like you did last night. So we this comes yeah. from a, get a belt bar. Nathan. Yeah. Nathan McKinnon. This comes. Well, no, they're low in sugar. So that's not going to help. Oh, that's true. Won't help him. Yeah. Look, yeah. Man, no. you, you got to you got to take care of yourself. This is coming from a place of love, Nate. Yeah, you can do this. You can, you do, can this. do We believe that you can do this. We yeah. believe in you. Uh, yeah, Nashville Predators last night fall two to one to the Colorado Avalanche in overtime. Uh, it was a game in which Connor Ingram stole. Well, you know, I guess almost stole. The Predators didn't eat out the yes. win. Certainly, you know, that's a positive. Certainly still a lot of negatives, a lot the Predators need to improve on. Um, And let's start things off. What is your one word to describe last night's game? So grew up in northwestern Pennsylvania, one of the coldest areas, lake effect snow, really cold temperatures. Um, And my dad, a country boy, has a scale for the temperature. If it is pretty darn cold out, he calls it fresh. If it's like, mm, they're going to cancel school because the kids will freeze at the bus station, it's brisk. And if it's 
sweet baby Jesus, there's no way you should go outside. Your mustache will freeze. It's brutal. So we've always grown up. Is it fresh, brisk, or brutal? This game was brisk. So it was not brutal. Game one, that was brutal. We're now at brisk. So there's some improvement, but it's still a little bit uncomfortable. So can this team get to fresh in game three? I mean, we saw some good things in game two, but there are still corrections that, oh my gosh, have got to be made to get to fresh. So they landed at brisk last night. So that's my one word. The Preds were brisk. Yeah, it's one of those where the Preds were a lot better, but still mm-hmm. not good enough. You know, and, it's and like, not as good as they can be. Right. Like that was like, I don't yeah. want everybody to like see this game and hear like the Preds improved uh, because the Preds did improve. There wasn't much they needed to do to improve <laughs> from game one. Uh, yeah. Like, not sucking for like a grand total of five minutes stretch would have would have improved that um, fact. But obviously they still have a long way to go after that first period. Colorado just absolutely stomped them offensively. I mean, the Predators seemed like they had the puck mm-hmm. for no longer than 10 seconds at a time. Um, so yes. that's certainly, I think with you, I think it's brisk. I think we need to get more towards the, it's not that cold. I think we need to have a sunny Northern Pennsylvania weather when it comes to the Nashville predators. Yep. It would be good. What's your one word. So there is a movie back in the day, uh, starring Al Pacino. It was called dog day afternoon. It was based on this true story. Uh, it also has Fredo from, uh, the Godfather, Al Pacino's little brother in that movie. Uh, great cast, great role. Um, you know, it's super fun. So I know you haven't seen it. I would highly recommend it. I haven't. The gist of it is it's about these two guys, which is Al Pacino and Fredo. Can't remember the guy's name, but they go into this bank in Brooklyn and they rob it and something goes wrong. And like the police are called and it winds up being like this big standoff. And that's, that's how the movie started. And the entire movie is a standoff. And as it goes Mm. on, you know, you start seeing some things like everything's falling apart for them. But then you start to see some things go their way. One is, you know, they kind of get the Stockholm syndrome from the people that are in the bank. Um, you know, you're kind of starting to understand like all this backstory. You're being sympathetic towards them. And then at the end, they get what they want. Um, they have all these hostages they like you know outsmart the police all these times uh the crowd is absolutely loving them and they're being escorted to an airport and we're like okay like oh my god like they're gonna get away with it like they've covered their bases um you know they're on the runway it's like and then it's like oh my god they're actually gonna get away with it and you're like kind of cheering and then at the last minute a the driver was a undercover police officer winds up pulling a gun when no one's looking shoots fredo's character right through the head somebody else steps in and just holds al pacino at gunpoint and it's like oh they and that's that's how the scene ends like that's how the movie ends finally getting caught um sorry for anybody who i'd ruined dog day afternoon for but it came out 50 years ago so if you haven't seen it by now 
you're not going to. But it was like that. It was like, oh my god, yes, all things are going the Predators' way. Like Connor Ingram is like absolutely unstoppable. He's making like unbelievable, all, making all these big saves, and we get further and further into this game. And I kept thinking, oh my, the Preds are going to steal this. Like the Preds mm-hmm. are going to win this. Like they're somehow going to find a way to eke it out. Yeah, and it's going to change the series around. And then just boom, right at the last minute. Um, absolutely brutal overtime goal, too, because it was just, yes. uh, you know, it was a block shot that wound up going back to McCarr. Uh, McCarron was already in position to kind of stop the passing lane from the first shot. So he couldn't recover in time to block. Ingram got a piece of it, but it still went through him. And it was just, oh, so close. So close. So heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. You thought they were going to steal it. And then just at the last minute, couldn't get it done. So frustrating. Yeah, it was. And again, must talk about, we must talk about Connor Ingram because that performance was just incredible. But again, Nashville, y'all got to finish this. You yeah. are not, we're not going, you know, this team is not going to beat the Colorado Avalanche unless they play their best game and they're just still not playing their best game. So it's a, it was a hard watch. Yeah. In Let's the talk- end, it was a hard watch. Let's talk about Connor Ingram because that, of course, was the story of the game for the Nashville Predators. Mm-hmm. Um, this has to be up there with most heroic goaltending performances of all time. And, you know, I saw the comment and it's like, oh, it's not heroic. They lost the game. Yeah, they should have lost that game again. Seven in regulation. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, Connor, Ingram, I mean, that's just true. Yeah. Came up and stole an absolute game. This is an absolute barn burner of, report, of a performance from him and something the Predators desperately needed uh, because mm-hmm. we, we saw what happened in game one. We saw the shakiness with Riddick. Um, Ingram might restore a little bit of confidence that the Predators, they're not out of it. I mean, but yeah. it, but it's but it's the same effect that UC Soros would have had on this series where there is that shred of doubt um, because, you know, no matter, even if Colorado outplays the Predators for six, seven games, whatever it winds up going, there's still that doubt that UC Soros was going to steal the series. I don't know what Soros' status is. Uh, we heard originally before the playoffs started that he was going to be kind of reevaluated before mm-hmm. game three. But if Connor Ingram's in net and he is playing as well as he was last night, then all of a sudden, that goaltending factor, that factor that the Preds are going to need some goaltending to kind of bail them out of a game like they had last night. That is suddenly back in play. Right. And going into this series, I that was the big X factor because goaltending has been key in wins over teams like Colorado. And without UC Soros, how are you know, how are the Predators going to be able to overcome that? And I think, and again, love David Riddick as a person, but I think kind of the vibe is we know probably David Riddick is not going to be the guy to do that. And that is a huge ask for Connor Ingram, who has been playing a majority of the time in Milwaukee in AHL minutes, 
don't necessarily always convert to NHL minutes. So it was a big ask, but Connor Ingram came in and had what I call a UC Soros-esque performance. He was exactly what the Predators needed, and that makes it all the more painful that the Predators couldn't finish because that X factor was eliminated last night. Now, can he repeat that performance? I think he's pretty good. Um, it would be great to be able to see him continue to steal some things because that game without Ingram would have been another seven to two. Um, they, he was peppered with shots. They were quality chances. He had some amazing saves. So can he repeat this? And here is the more important question. Can the rest of this team step up and execute the way they need to, to match that kind of level of performance that Ingram put on the ice last night? They have got to do that. Yeah. I mean, they, they had the goaltending part. That was the big X factor kind of before the game. Yeah. But nothing else has kind of fallen in for place this series. And it got a little bit better. Uh, I do want to talk about things that went well last night, as well as things that Mm -hmm. absolutely still need to change. A couple of players need to step up uh, because they have been absolutely invisible in this series. First, I want to mention today's show brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Summer is right around the corner. Thank God. And with summer, you're going to need some food on the go. Built Bars are the perfect snack to take with you on family vacations, adventures, road trips, uh, or if you're just going to the gym or you get hungry at the office, have a few, stash them. Ann and I absolutely love these. Why? Because they're delicious. Even though it's a protein bar, all Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. They have a bunch of fun fantastic flavors like cherry barcia my personal favorite mint brownie peanut butter brownie cookies and cream double chocolate there's just so many they also have built bar puffs which are a protein infused marshmallow Uh, they come in different flavors like banana cream pie and churro it tastes like you're eating dessert but you're really eating something that is full of protein and is going to keep you full all day long that's because most built bars contain uh very low calories very low sugar very low net carbs but they're all high in protein around 17 grams uh so even though you're eating something that tastes good you know it is going to keep you full all day long give you that energy to yell about diving on a hockey podcast uh you want to try it Go to built.com, get their mix box. The mix box contains 12 different flavors of both built bars and built bar puffs. So you can figure out what your favorite is. And while you're there, go to built.com and use promo code locked 15 to get 15% off your order. Again, promo code locked 15 for 15% off at built.com. Uh, so obviously, Ann Connor Ingram, big story last night. One of the best I think, individual playoff performances we have seen ever from a Nashville Predator. It's a shame that it came mm-hmm. uh, in a loss. What else do you think went well? And what do you think that the Preds improved upon uh, from the first game last night? I think one of the big areas that we saw the Predators improve on is their net front defense because, again, it's a case of there was nowhere to go but up from game one because the defense absolutely hung Riddick and, and Ingram at times out to dry. I think that they did a better job in front of the net 
Ingram handled the puck very well. There were a couple of rebounds that got out and the defensemen and the guys in front of the net were able to sweep it out. So there weren't nearly as many second chances for the Colorado, Colorado Avalanche. And this is a team you cannot give second chances to because they, you know, if they don't get it the first time, they will get it the second time. This is just a, an offensive juggernaut of a team. So I feel like they did a better job in front of the goaltender on defense. And and I think that some of that transitioned over into the penalty kill where the Predators got burned in game one, you know, committing dumb penalties. And we'll talk about that too in just a minute. Um, but they the kill was much more, uh, it was tighter. It limited more lanes. They weren't quite able to do as much puck movement as they normally do for Colorado. And so I feel like those were two areas where I thought, okay, I can definitely see you've addressed some tactical things here and you've made the improvements, you, you know, the improvements that this team needs to make. So there were, there was growth. We saw growth. We just didn't see a win. Yeah. Another thing that stood out was the penalty kill. Uh, I really mm. love the Predators penalty kill last night. Um, you know, you saw it. Uh, there was one in particular where it was just the, the as really couldn't get a clean look or when they did, they didn't really mm. get a second chance. Um, you know, the Predators defenders on that one were very active. Uh, they were, you know, condensing when the puck came in mm -hmm. they were expanding when the puck was out uh they weren't just kind of resting in some box and letting the abs kind of control the direction of that uh very active stick they weren't afraid to kind of lay down to get in the passing lanes uh they weren't afraid to you know it's one thing to kind of you know stand still and do like the rigid this thing when you're trying to block a shot it's another thing to kind of rush towards the puck carrier and get down um, to make a mm -hmm. play like that. And we saw um, Mikhail Granlund do that. Uh, we saw Jeremy Lazan do that uh, a couple of times. Mark Borowiecki, eight block shots last night. Uh, give that man yep. some icy hot and a uh, nice sauna, a nice hot tub. Yes. There. Incredible uh, performance by Boro on the block shots. I mean, he is fearless when yeah. it comes to that. Yeah, and Roman Yossi, hey, remember the whole Roman Yossi doesn't play defense thing? Uh, he had five block shots last night mm. and a couple of really good defensive plays, including one uh, where he saved a goal twice. Yes. Regulation. Yes. Once with a quick, um, you know, a stick lift when uh, an abs player had a good look at, you know, a pretty sizable open net. Um, and then he, you know, dove back to to break up the loose puck that was going right towards a really good rebound chance. So um, from that end, yeah, I thought, and it's going to sound weird because the Preds gave up 50 shots, but I thought <laughs> like, at least like in terms of formation structure and kind of mechanics of blocking shots and clearing rebounds um, and not letting the team get, you know, good looks at the net. Yes, like they clean. didn't give away those easy, yeah. clean looks. Yeah. yeah, clean chances. The Predators, I think, did a much better job of that. Now, I would have preferred it if they played defense in terms of holding on to the puck for most of the game, which they didn't do. But, you know, no. that is that is something that wasn't there in game one. That was there in game two. The Predators structurally were better on defense. 
Yes, I would agree with that. And I think some of the players who came in, I thought Jeremy Lazan had a, a good oh, absolutely. game. Absolutely. You know, I was so glad to see him back in the lineup. And he, again, there are people who are still squawking. You gave up a second round pick for this. We gave up a second. Yeah, you did. You're yeah. welcome. You needed him. So, you know, I thought he had a very good game. Well, the other thing that I thought was good is I felt like the herd line really came out and played to their identity. And when they were on the ice, they were able to sort of interrupt the time in space better than any of the other lines for the Nashville Predators. Colorado are a fast team. They are a smart team. They are an offensive team. And I feel like the herd line was the line that was able to tie things up. They were able to interrupt some things. They were able to uh, pressure a little bit more. It would be so amazing to see some other lines be able to step up and do that. But I noticed it with the herd line. And of course, Yakov Trenin had the goal for the Predators. So shout out to Yakov Trenin. You want to see I mean, other you want to see other lines step up? Maybe, mm, mm. maybe per chance the first line. The Philip Let's Forsberg talk about line. that. Um, the who? Yeah. Who? You know, the, the guy <laughs> who's about to sign a eight million dollar or eight year, nine million dollar deal somewhere. Um Philip Forsberg, this I would I would say maybe my biggest disappointment of the series so far. Yes. Um, he just, you know, he's not effective. And yeah, you know, he had that, you know, kind of one play last night where he hit the post and boy, that would have, if that would have gone in, this would have been an entirely different been huge on a number yes. of levels. Um, yes. but he just hasn't had the same offensive impact. And I know that people are saying, yeah, well, you know, it's hard to make an offensive impact when the abs had the puck 70% of the time. But, you know, if you watch him, he did have his chances and he just couldn't, you know, get any sustained offense. He was getting beat uh, by Colorado's defenders. He had guys on the back check, you know, kind of disrupting him and forcing him to not make a play. We saw a lot of times where he would break into the zone and have a successful zone entry um, and then just kind of either get trapped or lose the puck or move a bad pass or something yes. like that. Um, and he's kind of supposed to be your big play facilitator and, and you know Matt, yeah. Matt Matt Duchesne had a two goal performance a couple nights ago I thought he was quiet last night uh Ryan mm -hmm. Johansson is somebody else who I think has been very very not noticeable this that's year. a hard one yeah and yeah. If, if the if those guys don't step up for the Preds. You know, we talk about Ingram. We talk about the defense cleaning stuff up. And we've talked mm -hmm. about like the herd line having more of an impact last night. If your top line isn't going, then yeah, this is going right. To, this is, this is back to being a sweep. Right. And I know that there are times where the top, you know, it's top line versus top line and you can't, you just can't say that Colorado's top line isn't incredible because they really are, Absolutely. you know, that's just, that's just fact. I mean, I think they're probably one of the top lines in the entire league this season. But there is no reason for Philip Forsberg, Matt Duchesne, Ryan Johansson. Now, I think Mikhail Granlin has had some good games. But the the big guys that we have relied on for offense and for generating plays and momentum have been silent. Philip Forsberg, you know, my friend, you maybe should have signed the contract a couple weeks ago because 
your performance has got to get better in this playoff series or your value's going to go down. <laughs> I mean, it's he's invisible. He has been invisible. Um, and here's the thing. We don't need Duchesne and Forsberg and Johansson to do magic tricks on the ice. We need them to execute. Like, you don't have to do the fancy spin moves, you know, all that kind of stuff. Just execute. And the basic execution is missing in the, you know, in the game of Philip Forsberg and Ryan Johansson. And, and last night, even Matt Duchesne. And you know that just tears a rip in my soul to say, but it's, it's what's real. Yeah. uh, I'm sure abs fans hated him having a quiet night. Oh yeah. I'm sure they just suffered all night through that. (laughs) I want to talk about the, uh, the lineup changes made before the game. Cause I know both of us probably have some opinions on that. Uh, so we want to get to that in a second. Plus we're going to take a look around at some of the other action, uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs, including a couple of things last night that surprised us. Yeah, it was an interesting night in the NHL last night. But first, want to talk to you about our friends at BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting, stats, and sports information. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball, of course, hockey, and they have this weekend's Run to the Roses at the Kentucky Derby. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. So John Hines <laughs> makes some lineup decisions, which we wanted him to. Wasn't the one I feel like he didn't did, did he? Yeah, he didn't finish reading the memo. He he got the memo, but he just scanned it and he didn't finish reading it. So, because this was not the lineup I think we wanted. No, so so Ellie Tolvanen comes back in. Um, neither Cunning nor Matthew Olivier go out. Instead, uh, in it's Phil Tomasino, who thought had the best game of game one of any of the Preds forwards. Yes. So I have questions. I have questions. Uh, I liked having Ellie Tolvanen back in the lineup. And we've talked about this. I feel like he has a more well-rounded game than somebody like Matthew Olivier. I understand that the Predators want to establish this physicality and Olivier brings that. What he does not bring is a lot of offensive potential. Tolvanen's been quiet this season, but we know he has offensive potential. The other thing is you look at Philip Tomasino, and I feel like he had one of the better games in game one. He is somebody who can spark some offense. This team has got to have offense. So to sit Tomasino short of some sort of um, fatigue, like severe fatigue, tweaked injury, this does not make sense to me. This is not a call I would have made. And I also, and we've talked about this, gosh, I feel like we're repeating ourselves, Nick. We've talked about this for a really long time this season. What is the Nick Cunning thing? Like what? Or the like, Luke Cunning thing? Or the Luke Cunning thing. Uh, what well, is the Luke 
I didn't know if you were going or Nick Cousins because I feel like you could have gone really either one. I I mean, if I had a nickel for every time my husband sat and watched a game and said, why are Luke Cunning and Nick Cousins in there? Why are they in there? Great question. But Luke Cunning has had an, I mean, everybody goes through dry spells. I hate the term snake bit, but it's 100% what's happened. But at some point... If you're willing to sit Ellie Tolvanen because he needs a reset, if you're sitting Phil Tomasino, what is the deal with Luke Cunnan? I know he has a ton of hits and he plays that physicality, but I feel like Ellie Tolvanen can give you that physicality. And while his numbers aren't great, give it a whirl. Like nothing has sparked Luke Cunnan's offensive game. Nothing has sparked it. Yeah. So at some point, you know... What does he have? Like, I'm just like, okay, John Hines, I'm going to need you to, and don't do, this is what I'm afraid of. John Hines has always been very forthright with the media about lineup decisions. And one of the things we appreciate very much about him, I'm worried that the Luke Cunning thing is turning into the unspoken lineup change from the Peter Laviolette, Kyle Turris era. And I can't relive that. Um, it's interesting. Um, because I don't think unless anybody ever goes to John Hines and just flat out asks Luke Cunning's been struggling, but he seems to be in the lineup every night. What does he bring? And I, I don't know anybody that would do that. Um, but they did it for Ellie Tolvanen. I mean, I feel well, like they people well, have done that with Tolvanen. And that's the thing. If, if Tolvanen's scratch, you're going to be like, hey, he made the decision to take Ellie Tolvanen out that's of the lineup. It's a lot harder to be like, why is this person still in the lineup uh, and not have it come out as kind of an insulting sort of way? <laughs> yeah, there is no delicate way, I guess. But yeah. it's a question that I think everybody who has followed the Predators this season has. Yeah. Is explain you know, is it a, is it a chemistry thing? Is there has to be a reason why he has not been healthy scratched for a reset, because this is something John Hines believes in doing. So there's gotta be a reason. I just want to know. Well, and that's, and that's the confusing thing is we've seen him use the reset this year with Ellie Tolvin and, you know, with, with mm-hmm. basic, you know, we saw him send Cody glass down to the minors. We, we've seen Philip Tomasino go out for a couple of games. It's kind of a reset or to change things. Um, but he, he's been the, Cunning's been like the one consistent he's played every game this season. Um, yes. and it's very, it's very confusing that I'm trying to put this in like a okay way. Um, he has been the player that I expected the most out of in terms of who has not given me that, if -hmm. that makes any sort of sense. Basically it's like the gap between my expectation and what we got this season is the biggest gap um, Mm -hmm. for, for Luke Cunning. I I don't know. I don't know if it's just Heinz likes his style. That's a style thing. Um, I, I, I don't get the Matthew Olivier thing. I, I really I don't, don't get that. Either. I think that's the bigger, you know, hitch in my giddy up, as you like to say, <laughs> I, I wasn't, yeah. I had to think about that phrase for a second. Um, yeah. You don't want to get it wrong. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the biggest mystery to me because 
the thing you're trying to use them for, which is like energy and forechecking and throwing hits and making it tough, uh, clearly didn't work in the first two games. Uh, And he only played nine minutes in a overtime playoff hockey game. Uh, And hey, what did we learn? You need offense. You haven't had very much Mm -hmm. offense. So why is somebody like Phil Tomasino, who has been – pretty good at generating offense when he's been out there. Why is he kind of taking a back seat? Um, You know what? Why is somebody like Cody glass not getting a look? I know the admirals are in the playoffs and I guess you would kind of like to have them for the AHL playoffs, but if you have a chance to win this playoff series, you know, why aren't you bringing them out? And I think that goes to the big thing is I don't think, (laughs) Hmm. Maybe maybe this is a better conversation for after the season, but I think David Poyle and John Hines uh, are have different different opinions on where the team is right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, because it's telling that even in a playoff series, some guys that mm, Mm. there's there's no good way to say this. Uh, Maybe I should say it feels like there is content with this lineup this season when there should not be content with this lineup. I don't know. I don't know about that. I agree with what you're saying, that there is some content with this lineup. But I, I don't think it's something we should be surprised with because it's been a competitive rebuild all year. David Poyles never wavered on, we want to make it to the playoffs. He didn't make, you know, he got Jeremy Lazan at the trade deadline, but he did not go all in. And there were some yep. glaring spots that the Predators had misses. Well, so it's I'm not that not... he didn't even go all in. It's that he didn't really do anything. No, and I don't, but I'm not surprised by that. I don't think Poyle had any intention from the beginning of the season up to the trade deadline into the playoffs. I don't think Poyle had any intention of changing much of the DNA of this team because I think he wants to see what he has. And, you know, here we are in the playoffs against one of the top teams contending for a Stanley Cup. I mean, it will be shocking to a lot of the NHL if the Avs don't make a deep run and end up in the finals. And we're, you know, we're playing with the team that, in essence, is the team that we had at the beginning of the year. And I'm not surprised by it because I don't think David Poyle has given any indication he would do anything different all year long. I'm not saying it's not painful, and I'm not saying it's right. This is going to be, I feel like, a case study uh, after the playoffs because, you know what, if if you don't think you have it, if you don't think you have what it takes to win – uh, then it's okay to start thinking about the future and mortgaging your future a little bit. Uh, if you think that you have a good team and you really believe in this team, then you got to help this team win. Uh, standing in the pad right in the middle doesn't do anything. And I think that's been Poyle's fatal flaw. Um, but th- that's certainly, I think, going that's to be... A, that's a big conversation we can I think this is going to be, for this sure. This is probably going to be a case study uh, at some point when the season ends. Uh, and, you know, mm-hmm. there, there's been some articles kind of doubting if Poyle's going to be back. I, I don't see him going anywhere, but, you know, we'll, we'll have to see. Um, 
NHL playoffs, more action last night. Uh, yeah, and did anything stand out to you in the other games, And I think the one thing for me maybe was uh, Dallas shutting out Calgary, yes. getting back on even ground. Yes. Yeah, that one really actually surprised me. I felt like Calgary uh, was going to come in and really dominate in this series. And that's, you know, I don't like Dallas, but and I, I don't mean that as anything against Dallas. I just feel like Calgary was coming into this playoff very hot in, in just the right kind of place in the last couple of games and where they've been headed. So I was really surprised to see Dallas shut them out. Um and I will say, keep your eye on the Florida Panthers because this oh, is a, were... this is a team. This is a team that they you know roared back last night. That's for sure. Yep, yep. This is uh, yeah. This is a whole. Somebody on um, Twitter refers to them as the Miami Meow Meows, <laughs> and I thought it's really Thank hard you. not to get behind that. You know, stats. And record aside, who doesn't want to root for the Miami Meow Meows? So, but keep your eye on the Florida Panthers because they're, they're legit. They're, they're, we'll see. We'll just see about them. Yeah. Uh, New York Rangers also bounce back. Uh, big win over the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, that's to Come me, been the most, that's been the most fun series to me uh, as well. Uh, that's the, they have the triple overtime. You kind of wondered if the Rangers were going to be able to recover from that, especially since the Penguins kind of outplayed them. Um, and the Rangers came back with a very, very, very strong all around performance mm -hmm. last night. Uh, and let me tell you, if, if you have Igor Shesterkin playing as well as he's had these first two games, uh, oh, yeah. I, you got to start thinking about maybe the Rangers being a little bit higher up on that cup tier too. I mean, they have the recipe that some of these past teams have had. So, mm -hmm. if, and he's if having a phenomenal well. season. Yeah, I can I, I can see him being able to carry this team with the talent that they have further than most people expect. Yeah. So as it stands right now, the only uh, two nothing series are ours and Carolina Boston. So, yay! I have a feeling that us. there's. <laughs> oh, <laughs> is that going to change Saturday night, Nick? Is that going to change Saturday night? What do you think? Saturday night, put it on the line. What's going to happen? <laughs> Hi. All right. Well, Hi. Uh, I mean, I. I, I don't want to make an official prediction because I don't want this to come out uh, on any sort of way. Uh, but mm -hmm. if this is do or die for the Predators, absolutely yes. do or die. Yeah. Um, and uh, we, we will see what type of performance they have with their backs against the wall uh, because the past performances they've had this season with their backs against the wall have not been good. So hopefully yeah. that changes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so game three tomorrow night, uh, in uh, Colorado or in Nashville. No, it's here, it's I, in the afternoon, I, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's a 3 30 puck drop, I believe. Yeah, I think 3 30, something like that. It's in the afternoon. Look it up, people. Yeah, we're so, tired. We're so game up three, late night. uh, game four on Monday. Monday is when we will be back with a brand new episode. Until then, Anne, where can the fine people find your work online? You can find my work at onthefourcheck.com and you can find me on Twitter at Ann K underscore Mama on Ice. 
I'm Nick Morgan. You can find my work uh, at onthefortcheck.com. Also, be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at LO underscore Predators. If you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe, and leave a comment. Uh, that helps us get this video out to more people, and uh, it helps us know uh, what we need to talk about on our show. So be sure to do that. Thank you for making Lockdown Predators your first listen of the day. We will be back Monday.